lot of people are going to be doing content around ashes and live streaming it. Now you can almost kind of brand your UI to your colors. Oh, like, yeah. That would be super cool. Imagine Sims mm -hmm. got ninja loots everywhere around his UI screen. Like that would be so cool. People would love that. All right. <clears throat> little little gold sacks floating you, around. Uh, you feeling real happy on the inside, half adult? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs>
their first ad but also thanks Arend. it's always a pleasure it's actually really cool because i i uh i haven't ever tried that before i haven't ever tried to actually go hey alexa you know blah 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 and play this so that was actually pretty interesting i'm pretty sure it's the first time i've actually heard that happen that was actually really cool but yes vera caravan hey, i learned yeah i know uh so horrendous does uh a lot of um I know he has a lot of the collections up there. Once upon a time, Ashes HQ, we we actually I was going through and trying to like list all that. And I was like, oh, I realize this is just going to be such a big headache. I'm not even going to do that. But I noticed Horrendous is doing that over there. So it's definitely a good place for that, because I don't think there's any other place that's doing that right now. Um, and I just refuse to do it. I'm like, that's too much. And I'll, I'll be in. I'll be an information hub. I'll do a bunch of things, but I am so not going to do that. I can't. I don't have it in me. So definitely good to have uh, extra community resource. Also, welcome in. I see we got some first time chatters in chat. And also, I see we got some returning members in the chat that I haven't seen in ages. Welcome in, everybody. Hope y'all are doing well. Much love, friends. Thanks for all the resubs, the bits. It's greatly appreciated. Sidebar real quick. I got to I gotta like nerd out on something. There's the MMORPG Reddit, right? And this is actually about the LFM podcast uh, Thursdays, 5 p.m. CDT. <laughs> CST technically right now, but actually this was like a, and I'm waiting for this to happen for the ashes pathfinders. The fact that the looking for more podcast beat the ashes pathfinder podcast on this is a little, it's a little, it's a little feels bad, man. Cause the ashes pathfinder podcast has definitely got a lot more. I don't know what the word would be. It's got more, uh, time people that are definitely dedicated to it. So I'm shocked that the other podcast I run had this happen first on MMORPG.com. Someone posted it. And if you're in our, if you're in my discord here, discord.gg forward slash some more, if you go onto the general chat, you'll notice earlier that uh, Scribbles, who is the, who is a developer uh, for defend the night, you'll notice that he posted something there and it's on the MMORPG Reddit uh, subreddit rather. And I was like, what? Someone was like, Hey, what's a really good podcast to watch over MMORPG coverage. And they totally shouted out the looking for more podcasts. I was like, what? I was like, that's awesome. I never would have thought that one would have gotten a shout out before the Pathfinder podcast, which is why I'm looking at all of you asking myself why. Broader audience would be my guess. You touch on a lot more MMO games as a whole. So you're (laughs) reaching a wider array of audiences. That would be my logical guess behind it. Good logic. Sound logic. Yes, it is very sound logic just giving you that or they dig the dome i don't know (laughs) the dome's here for both shows though so i mean that's that's true it might be a little shinier on that one i don't know (laughs) right i get it buffed a little bit more before the show you can grab a daggum i'm not gonna go through and do what i just thought to do because it'll get clipped and i don't really want that out there so (laughs) maybe Um, maybe it's just the ninja looter facade hasn't put reached the lfm show yet i don't know Still can't believe Margaret, man, during their 24 hour live stream. I still can't believe that. She was like, Oh, so I understand this whole digital thing. I'm like, What? It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Look, glad to have y'all here. Uh, obviously, we have some things to talk about. We're going to pick up from where we left off last time. We got a couple discussion points from the Ashes of Creation community, uh, things around. We got a dev discussion. We got the upcoming live stream, which we have an announcement around, and also. We have the lore to pick up on from last time. We have two entries we didn't even touch on last time. We were tempted to, but we didn't really jump into it. But we're going to today. A couple announcements for Ashes HQ, though. I'm working on 
a few uh, panels that'll help people to access pages that are specific uh, to like things like lore or talk about nodes or corruption. And I'll also be creating little sub panels to put on the sidebar. So when people go to the pages, they can kind of go like, oh, you know, maybe we're talking about guilds and we're talking about castle sieges. Well, I'm going to try to make it more accessible to like really help you all to kind of synergize between the pages by giving you direct sort of like links that'll take you there uh, a little bit more easily. If you're kind of reading over a topic and you're like, oh, really like to like read up on this other thing you're talking about to kind of make it a little more user friendly. It's already super intuitive, but trying to make it even more better for y'all. Ah, gentlemen, it's been a hell of a week around here. Last Sunday after the podcast, I, I feel like when I see laughter like that, there's some shit in chat. There it is. There it is. Yep, there it is. The dome. That's great. Alfina is clipping as always. <laughs> Gentlemen. What's been going on in your week? I'm just going to say mine's been exhaustion, um, fatigue, and uh, a whole lot of waiting for things like the will of time that's coming out less than a week. I'm freaking out about it. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm probably in the that same boat good. there. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm I was uh, just looking at an ad for that. I'm like, I'm pretty stoked that that's coming out mm -hmm. here in the next week uh, or so. So yeah, there's that. Did a little bit of cooking. Did a little bit of relaxing. Just some yeah. kind of taking back some me time. But other than that, it's been pretty chill this week. Other than work, which is crazy. So yeah, man. You've uh, you've got some pictures in the Discord. If y'all want to see what he's been sharing, he's got in the picture shares. I think it is where he's posted some of the things he's made. And I'm like, every time I look in there and you post something, I'm like, damn it! Now I'm hungry. <laughs> Gotta love the food porn. Mm -hmm. Yep, this is true. Yeah, I, I, I've been doing a lot of the same. I mean, a little less on the cooking side. I've been um, getting ready I get to do a big batch of uh, bison jerky in the smoker here soon. So uh, I'm going to try it with ground meat for the first time ever for, for me. So I'm, I'm excited mm -hmm. for that. Um, but yeah, just kind of chilling, doing some maintenance and stuff around the house, getting it kind of prepped up for the cold and wet months here right now it's been raining like crazy as it does in the pacific northwest and just yeah trying to get my sleep schedule back to reasonable times oh, about sleeping until 11 a.m every day hear that because it's doesn't work well with the family life so i know that too i really do i've been uh you know my partner's in new zealand right and during the fall, well, let's see, spring through summer and then getting to fall, that period, we're like seven hour time difference and what time of the day it is. She's always a day ahead, but so many hours behind me, right, in time of day. And so during <laughs> during the summer months and stuff, all I can say is it's painful. The distance is painful, right, because it's seven hours. Just think about that. 5 p.m. for her is midnight for me, right? So we we recently, the time changed back, and this fall is like a blessing because it's only five hours apart. Oh, the difference two hours makes when you're talking about the little things like hanging out, spending time together, doing things, going to sleep for me. So I've been getting back on this like sort of time frame of like it being not as big of a gap, and I'm like, Oh my God, I've slept so much more and it feels so nice. I'm like, oh, oh, I was definitely, I've been pushing the limits a bit for sure. It, it came at a, a greater cost 
but um so i, I can that resonates for me too man and it's fall now and it's getting cooler and of course you're like you know oh it feels real good to just sleep in you know what i mean like oh i just want to like oh it's cold and crisp in the room and because i'm hot natured so i don't do the whole burning my you know yeah you are trying to live in like a residual hell or whatever <laughs> i just try to be comfortable man waking up and it's nice cool sheets and you know the leaves fall is a good thing it's you know comfy when to sleep in and hibernate sort of thing so uh man but uh right, really I'm ready for a nap <laughs> dude i've been playing a lot of gwent and uh um i yeah i don't know what to say except for i've been playing gwent and I've actually been doing some stuff for like, you know, book, the book and stuff. The world building element has been like coming together. It's just it feels like every time I do something for all of that, you know, it like putting it on paper has caused it to feel like it, it exponentially is like getting momentum. And it's like, oh, shit, I feel like it starts to carry momentum. And I'm like, I don't have the time. <laughs> what am I going to do? Anyway, it's fine. I'm good. But. Otherwise, things in the world are great. We're getting into that period of the year, though, like we talked about, where things in the, you know, in game development and the Ashes community, it sorts it gets a little quieter, gets a little slower, right? Because people got lives, families, holidays, right? You know, time off, rest, recuperate. It's a big thing around here, too. Um, so definitely think I've been kind of grounding myself in a little bit more of that lately and bat working on the balance approach to life and everything. But, uh, you know, um, aside from catching up, uh, did y'all see that fan Friday thing that was on social media, uh, on the Twitter for ashes, like Friday, they do every Friday, they do their, you know, their fan Friday and like clockwork every week, there's something. And this one was like, someone's written like, example of what the phone app could look like and i'm like did not see that yeah no, sorry i missed it yeah it's it's not bad i'm just kind of curious you know what other people would like like it to look like if they had a choice and like that sort of visual appearance i think i always think like you want it to like kind of match your ui in the game i think that's like a good approach but uh i'm a big proponent of good old frank lloyd wright which is what uh form follows function you know, like whatever mm -hmm. the purpose is, let the form follow that. And I kind of am a big proponent of sometimes less is more user friendly, easy navigation um, colors, though. I mean, theirs was like orange and like kind of black or something. And I'm going, I mean, I think we need red. I think we need a little more red in there with the orange, a little more red. I mean, I, I think offering fire. a dark mode in anything like that is yes pretty 100%. necessary in this day and age i turn everything into dark mode always because it's way too strong on the eyes otherwise when you look yeah, at screens as that. much as we do in our society now it's you know at least give the option um we can maybe yeah <laughs> even even the same with with in-game ui that that level of customization i would expect mm -hmm. yeah on a side note i think uh oh man is we're like gearing up for things. I'm like kind of in this like planning stage. I feel like I feel like I'm in planning stage, you know, and I feel like as, as they're in a planning stage over at Intrepid, like 
there's this like calm before the storm sort of element. I feel. I feel like I feel like it's a storm is sort of coming, and I feel like the storm is going to be Alpha Two for Ashes. It's going to totally just agree there. Pop. Yeah, you think we're going to get an announcement before Christmas no. or by the December update? Anyway, no. <laughs> I have I have very 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 uh grounded expectations after five years of like covering this game. I'm like, nah. well, even even after Alpha One, when they first gave the schedule for Alpha One, and then they had to delay and delay. Yeah, probably if anything, even going to oh. be even more reserved. Oh yeah, with setting any scheduling so. expectations. Um, it, yeah, I I would be surprised if we hear it before spring to be uh, end of spring. To be honest, yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you in terms of my speculation here. I think they're going to play it a lot closer to the chest, and same. I think they're still going to try to send out a steady stream of content if like what um you know maggie has been talking about um you know continues on i mean there's even in the uh in the discord right there's you know been talk of like did we get all the lore in the you know recent charity stream i mean odds are i'd say we didn't um so i would definitely feel like you know there's going to be more of that coming um she even talked about like on the live stream itself that they're going to go back and rework some of it because they weren't quite happy with like yeah. not necessarily the content, but the presentation, which, you know, that, you know, they're, they're very much perfectionist. So I, I definitely see like they're going to be a little more reserved. So mm-hmm. I would agree. Q1 most definitely is when we're mm-hmm. more likely to see something than now. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed <laughs> to seeing something early, oh, but I, I doubt it. hundred yeah. percent. I, I trust me. I, I, I I'd be very happy to be doing ashes regularly. Okay. I'd, I'd be happy to be on there talking about our adventures every week on here, incorporating all the other awesome uh, parts of the show that we have yet to reveal because the game needs to be in a consistent place before those uh, parts of the game or segments of the show uh, are just, are basically showcased. There's actually like two, uh, segments that I have planned for the show that until we get there can't exist yet. But I'm looking forward to when they are. And um, I, I I agree with what's being said in chat, though. I, I, I've, I've been a proponent of quarter two earliest in my mind next year before we see Alpha 2. And that's anywhere. That's basically spring to summer time frame in, in that area, I think. Um, and uh which it kind of sucks, but at the same time, I think they're going to be pretty consistent. You know what I, when you think about that, think about this for a minute. This show is going to have over 200 episodes by the time this game launches. Probably you know that, right? Easily. 200 yeah. episodes for you're, game. You're a year away from that. Less than a year away from that. So exactly. Right. And you're going away, dude. Oh, that's, that's a little surreal for me right now thinking about that 200 episodes by that time like for the game he launches damn man it's a hell of a foundation truth speaking of foundation or foundational things well they got the dev discussion dev discussion number 36 i'm going to share it here with y'all right now in chat but sim i'm not in chat i'm listening I'm on YouTube. I'm not able to see it. Just another reason I encourage you to be here live. And if you can't, well, we tend to link them in Discord or we're talking about them so you can find them on the forums 
or the news boards on the Ashes of Creation website. So this is dev discussion number 36, talking about UI, user interface. And here's what they pose. Like, do you prefer to set up your UI very minimally, cover your screen with as much information as you possibly can, or something in between? What UI information is absolutely essential for you? Gentlemen, I'll let you take that one away. God, if I have to go back to my wow days, I'm like, a, I'm an add-on fiend. However, um, the add-ons that I did get, I would usually make sure I had maximum screen space. Uh, and so I would want to get things that can give me the most information with the least amount of like weight in terms of UI. So I would hope we have some choice to configure that. Now, granted, you know, some of what you know, we're used to in games like WoW, uh, you know, won't be there. So there'll be less, you know, real estate taken up by that. But I would definitely like to see something that gives you the option to go minimal, but still be able to get like key information you're looking for, um, mm -hmm. you know, on on the ma like map stuff. I mean, one of the things that I would say I did not really like um, that that happened in New World recently is that there's no mini map that drives me up the wall, that I constantly have to use a map that takes up my entire screen and I'm not able to kind of really continue to play the game and be immersed. Um, so, like, you know, from my perspective, I think that's kind of one of those things that you want to be able to have that element in there and have it, again, be low rent, not something that's going to be distracting on your screen. So just kind of giving you those options, I think, are, you know, in my opinion, the best route to go. I, I like to be able to see what I'm playing and experience the world and not have a lot of clutter, but also want to make sure I've got information I can need, I need and can easily access, you know, with maybe a glance as opposed to like, you know, a lot of big screens with a lot of, you know, graphics, right? I would rather go, you know, the route you had mentioned earlier when we were talking about the um, Fan Friday is, you know, form has got to follow function yeah um i i definitely probably lean towards a more of a minimalist uh ui i like to have my relevant information with as much of the screen and, and game world visible as possible to see what's going on um i you know buffs debuffs timers skill cooldown timers quest information a mini map absolutely the <laughs> you, you kind of just lost me a little second there when you said new world doesn't even have a mini map like what uh that feels like a bit of a necessity to me <laughs> seeing your hot bars you know your target information being able to configure and set up your party or raid frames um you know the when when i think back to my days of wow and having an add-on like weak auras or something like that, where you can really configure a lot of mm -hmm. different things on your screen. The amount of clutter that people had on their screen, but then they were able to to make it look sleek and minimal in a way. I, I personally still found most of it rather cumbersome to look past, but you know, having that kind of flexibility to an extent, I think, is what where Ash is is going to need to go because there are no add-ons. I envision a system where you basically pull up a UI customizer. It has a grid layout across your whole screen, and every little UI element is modular. You can move it around and adjust the scale of its sizing to an extent. You can toggle features on and off. The more information they allow you to have, the, the less complaints and issues you're going to have from people ever wanting to 
have an add-on or complain that there's not enough here, I can't do what I want. If I can turn off my hotbars because I have them memorized, cool. They don't need to be on my screen then. Maybe there's a cooldown indicator that comes up as a, a buff or debuff icon in the top of your screen, or you can move it around wherever you want. But having that grid where everything is modular, you can move it around and adjust the scaling, to me, that that's the easiest way to appease people and, and give because everybody's taste is different. You know, some people like to have as much information as they can on the screen and just want to be able to see their character and the small thing around it. That's all they care about. And that's fine. Like what what who are we to say they're wrong? Just because that's not the way I like to play. So I think that is a necessity with where they need to go. So I'd like them to have like in addition to like that grid feature that you were talking about just the ability to not only scale the UI like as a whole but scale individual elements I think would be good too so if I want my hot bar to be maybe a little larger because I'm old and I still need glasses <laughs> right so I mean I want to be able to do that um, but I also want to be able to see one of the other uh, things I thought would be really important and would be minimal from a UI perspective too would be something like data text that you can like turn on and off um, like on a bar right that's one of the things that I honestly I can't live without and like um, you know, when I did play WoW, I really liked the idea of like I could see how much bag space I have, you know, and it might be like weight or whatever they use in, in Ashes in the future. But just kind of knowing that, maybe being able to track certain materials that I need to craft, you know, tracking skill levels or things that I'm, you know, that I need to look at from a character perspective. I mean, those are just things that I really think are would be really nice to have. Um, and I think um, they should be thinking about, right? Especially like the modular piece and the scaling. I think that to me is, that's gonna be like bare minimum viable product. I really like that idea of having, in sense, a customized tracker. Like, okay, I need to go out and grab, gather 300 uh, redwood. Okay, put, put insert counter 300 redwood, go. It's on my screen now. And every time I harvest some, it just adds up. Now I've got five out of 300 or I need 295 more, whatever it is, as a way to track, you know, yeah. when you're gathering stuff for built buildings within a node. Like that is, to me, that's it. And I 100%, yeah, I, I meant exactly what, where you were going, Daedalus, but each element is customizable in terms of scale and sizing. Um, also, even if you can adjust the color of those elements to an extent, whether mm -hmm. as a whole or individually, it might be really cool, uh, especially for people that are colorblind or um, th that might have an issue with um, just intensity of colors w w that they're viewing on the screen. Mm -hmm. might be a really nice feature to add to for minimal programming effort, I would expect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even like a colorblind mode. I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, I thought, that is going to be a thing, yes. Yeah, so I, I know he's definitely going to want to come back because he wants to play his own game, I would imagine. So. <laughs> but yeah, I think that would be really cool to be able to have that level of customization too, like in terms of, like if I want to adjust the colors of my UI, I, that, yeah, that would be amazing, right, uh, to be able to do that. Because a lot of people like darker UIs, some people like lighter ones, but I think in general I prefer darker UIs, just like you said, like even on the app, a dark mode would be great. I put pretty much everything I can possibly put in a dark mode, in a dark mode. Um, but, but, so, and here's the cool thing, though. 
is giving that with the amount of people that are going to be doing content around ashes and live streaming it. Now you can almost kind of brand your UI to your colors. Oh like, yeah. That would be super I cool. Imagine Sims got ninja loots everywhere around his UI screen. Like that would be so cool. People would love that. All right. <clears throat> little, little gold sacks floating. You, around. Uh, you feel real happy on the inside adult. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, God, fucking believable. <laughs> wow, man. That was well played, though. <laughs> and also, man, bullshit. Anyway, <laughs> it would be high theme, damn it. Okay. It would be a sack of anything. Wouldn't be ninja looting or any of that stuff. It would be righteous, glorious light, justice for the naysayers. <laughs> Dude, you know what I've always really liked, though, about uh, UIs? Like, when, like, I do it in every game. I did it in World of Warcraft. I did it, I think, when someone, I think when they posted this on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken, someone, I, I don't remember who, but someone responded and it was like, my UI on World of Warcraft. And it was the clusterfuck. It was literally, homies, look at me when I say this, okay? You see this whole screen right here? Look at this whole screen on this podcast right now. My my frame, that was the space I could see of his of their screen. Everything else, I was like, you literally are using your add-ons to survive, right? Because you don't see that. You do not see. There's no situational awareness, man. Nothing. Nothing. That box right there, those are your toes and your arms and that whatever over your head. That's it. That's it. You literally see the three steps in front of your character around you or whatever. That's it. I was like, I mean, a little traumatic response because I don't do good with enclosed spaces or whatever, right? So I don't do good with that. So I kind of felt like I was getting trapped in a screen. I was like, I need out. I can't breathe. You know what I mean? I'm looking around and I'm like, I just want to see the world. I just want to see space. I just want to live. I just want to be happy. This feels like trauma for me. But uh, on that, have you ever driven a car in the middle of winter and, and you didn't have time to wait for the windows to dethaw and you, you just <laughs> yes. had to chance it and hope that other people's headlights are on bright enough that you can just tell where they are? Yes, dude. That's what that sounds like. That's exactly what it was like. I mean, it was should be illegal. Frosted, man. Everything was frosted. The, the opposite. Anyway, I like a minimal... UI. I actually prefer that, like, if I can have almost everything most of the time, like half tells talking about, right? I generally, if I'm playing a character, specifically like my main, I'll you get a feel for when you're when things are off cooldown, when skills are off cooldown, right? And if you've got like you know a mouse, like you know one of these good old MMORPG gaming mouses where you got like twelve keys at your thumb, right there then like I know where my abilities are at, right? I know the flow, the motion. I know as as I'm gonna kind of like gravitate to one ability or another based on like you know you just get used to a feeling in the flow of how you play when you play your character enough right to where you know when something's up you know because you've used this ability and this ability and it takes at least this long for this ability to be back up if you use this or this or combination of these abilities you just know the feel so i don't when i've played a character enough i don't need those buttons showing up i know when i can use them i know what abilities impact me based on what i can see what indicators exist if it's impacted one of those abilities, whether or not I can play it again. So 
I like to keep it minimal, man. And if I got to have a UI, I keep it low, man. I keep it to the bottom of my screen. I, you, you all have been around for a long time. You know me, man. You, you see me play games. You, you know I like to keep the UI minimal, keep it down low, and keep it to where if it can kind of like fade away and disappear from not combat, it's not there. Because I love looking at the world. For me, that's a huge element of immersion. If I'm running around the world and I can see all the trees and all the foliage and the creatures and whatever else, like, that's great. If I got to have something, I want to keep it just at that, like, bottom part. And I try to keep everything down there or, you know, as much as I possibly can. I tend to not prefer mini maps if I do have them. Bottom right or something like that. So in certain scenarios, like, I don't want to see anything. If I'm running around the world, I don't need that stuff. I don't need it. I don't need to see it, right? But in some situations, you do. And having the option to win that's going to show or not, I think is what's really important. If I'm running around the world and I don't have to have stuff there at all, I'm good with it. Yeah, bottom right with my mini map. Sometimes, yeah, bottom right. Most people do top right, I think, or something. Yeah. I feel like that's just something that's been kind of pushed as a default. It's yeah. been accepted through uh, just here it is. This is where it is. Mm. And that's where it's always going to be. Yeah. I mean, World of Warcraft, it's default top right, I think. Right. But if you get add ons to where you can, I forget what it's called. What's the one that you could add that was like really, you know, you could have all these different auras and stuff or on it or whatever. Sexy oh, map. Auras? Sexy map. That was it. Oh, I love yeah. that one because you could like customize the the outline, the border. It could be square. It could be. I always went with a round and there was like a yeah. sun one that I found later. I was like, oh, that's perfect because it looked like a radiating sun on the outside. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was beautiful. You'd love it. Paladin power, right? Pally power. Also mm -hmm. a former add on I used to use in that game. Not anymore because I don't play. And even in times when I last did play, it was irrelevant at that point in time. But I think, yeah, form following uh, function and keeping it minimal. I am really curious what they're going to come up with for UI though. When it, when you talk about like the difference between the action and the tab orientation, like what elements are going to exist for skills or UI features that are specific to like tab target versus like the action and actually we know we've got like the reticle, like that's a specific element or, you know, of your UI that's going to exist so that you can, you know, target your opponent and hopefully get them headshots in or whatever. Um, but for me, it's keeping it minimal. And if something needs to exist for the purposes of like, you know, raiding or PVP or, um, you know, sieges or, you know, mat large scale sort of things or naval content, even things like that, um, that it feels very intuitive and feels very organic to me as a player. Um, so that feels like there's, you know, that it, it's comfortable that it's there, that it doesn't really take away from my gameplay experience or a sense of immersion. Um, but I think overall, I think, you know, we're all talking about, it. I'm seeing in chat too, giving, you know, UI options to where you have a sense of customization for your character and how you're interacting with the world. is super important. And it's clearly one that they're mindful of because we know how much Steven wants there to be as much customization to your UI as there possibly can be. And, you know, scaling a size, um, everything about that. I mean, color would be freaking awesome to have some sort of, uh, you know, ability to change like the, you know, maybe the sizing and the color scheme and stuff like that. Yeah, it'd be cool. You know, mine would not be oriented towards loot bags, by the way. It would be more of like other things. But anyway, I digress. Nonsense.
it is all nonsense really heads will roll heads will <laughs> roll on the ground <laughs> beneath your feet as you hop along basil what i'm um, sorry he's not here apologies i just sometimes he's just a bunny joke and he's not feels bad anyway moving on question i pose for you all is you know what would those specific features of ui customization and um you know would you want a more minimal versus maybe a clusterfuck like some people like which is not me by the way but you do you boo moving on we do have an upcoming uh upcoming live stream it's going to be happening much earlier than normal going to make sure i put that out there a little early in case people don't stay until the end but live stream Q&A submissions are due by Thursday, like clockwork. Sorry, it's actually going to be Wednesday this week, uh, which is going to be the 17th. And then Friday, the 19th will be the uh, the Ashes of Creation live stream. And you're going, why so early, Sim? Well, because I'm just guessing it's a day after Thanksgiving when they normally would do it, which would be the 26th for this month. So I'm imagining people are probably going to be like, you know, spending time Thanksgiving with their families and stuff. And probably it's not the best time frame. Um, do do kind of wonder what they're going to fit in in a shorter amount of time, if that actually does play a part in what they tend to usually fit in. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe they just got a whole list of stuff they can just kind of throw at us. I actually wouldn't be really shocked if that was the case at this point. <laughs> you know, they, do we get weeks like last week where you're going, we're probably not going to. Or, you know, the last live stream, we're like, ah, we're probably not going to a ton on their last live stream for the month. And then just bombard you with, like, all this stuff, including that amazing wolf mount that, like, is earnable in game. Oh, that thing's still still stuck. I I still think about it every week. And I'm going, I just want to know what the achievement's going to be and how I can get that because I want to plan that. I'm already ready to plan that. That thing was beautiful. I digress. Definitely. Yes, 100%. So Ash's live streams coming up on Friday, actually get your questions in on the forums by Wednesday this week, right? 11 a.m. Submission deadline PDT or Pacific and 11 a.m. Pacific going to be for this Friday's uh, live stream as well. So there you go, friends. Um, Wonder if we've got any good questions. I we haven't had any really just good, like really, really good ones. Like there was a few months ago, we were getting some pretty badass questions that they go through. So step up your game, Ashes fam. Talking to all you that are listening. No pressure. Someone's going to be like, when was the last time you submitted a question, Sam? I'm going to be like, I don't. I pose them on the show all the time for entertainment. And I talk about yours. I advocate. That's my duty. That's my job, okay? I'm sorry. But you, again, you do you, I guess. It's fine. I'm just giving people a hard time. End of the year, man. I always get a little the end of the year, you know, because it's Getting closer to the time where I get to take off of my day gig, a little bit of time of just doing me, not doing stuff and things that we all normally do, like work, etc. Okay, cool. We're, we're done talking about the news-related stuff. Are we ready to dig in this daggum lore? I know I am. Yeah, buddy. Oh. Okay, my friends. What, Sim? Speak up. Lore reveal part two from their 24-hour D&D campaign charity live stream event. We talked about the first one last time. If you missed it, go back to episode 150 where we talked about it, right? We discussed uh, a a uh, entry 
into a journal of sorts written by Kyrie Patrika Arasana. I hope I didn't butcher that. Kyrie, if you're still out there, I think that you probably exist in the world present day as we enter the gates, but that's also speculation. Really good discussion talking about the book of the Varen Exodus, right? And in, in that we, she had uh, kind of talked about her, one of her ancestors. We got a little bit of a uh, uh, lore blurb kind of outlining why it is that elves are, you know, not why, but the fact that elves do live for quite a while. We here on the show sort of worked under a, uh, a working educated guest that we're thinking a couple thousand years is a pretty normal or good sort of goalpost lifespan for elves in the world of ashes of creation or in the universe of ashes of creation. Um, there was a lot of talk there about some of the light packed lore, which was really good. Now, part two, this one outlined uh, what's called the alchemist apprentice. Now this one, I know, I think specifically Daedalus, you had a, a note on from last time if i'm not mistaken mm. right was, yeah do you want to kind of like outline like what really stood out for you on this particular uh entry well first of all i mean it was definitely like one of those colossal teases that our development team is famous for because you kind of get hints at what a tolnar potentially might look like um but they also had you know some really interesting details around potential racial traits uh, for a Tolnar in terms of resistance potentially to poison, um, which they talked about in one of the one of the lines in particular where um, you know the the Vec that was uh that that led uh Kyrie to the Tolnar talked about the fact that this Tolnar ingests like all sorts of poisonous things and it doesn't mm-hmm. seem to really do anything. And they weren't sure if it was, you know, just because they have a stronger stomach or it's you know, a racial trait. So it's like, oh, nice. Got a little, uh, got a little softball uh, racial trait uh, detail mm-hmm. there. But overall, I mean, I thought it was really cool. And I, I, I really liked also that they gave us a little bit of hint into the linguistics, um, you know, in particular, that showing that the Tonar language was actually, in some cases, right, a variation on the Orcish language, which, you know, again, speaks to what, you know, we mm-hmm. have known generally from the start, right, is that the Tolnar were folks that got left behind um, and that were commingled with all the different races of Vera. So seeing those, those are probably the two, like, you know, standouts for me on this um, was just, like, some of the uh, details around, like, the Tolnar behavior, the Tolnar constitution. One thing that I would have loved to see, too, is maybe a little more description on the VEC. But, you know, obviously there was there was a lot already there. But uh, but definitely those those are the things that I would say were kind of key for me in terms of takeaways. Yeah, there that's some good stuff to unpack there. And that just kind of the linguistics. I like that you touched on that. I hadn't thought to touch on that. And, and that's a really key part because that really kind of plays into where the Talnar come from, where they came from, and where we understand them to come from as kind of being a mix of the four main races and, and some of the other sub races. Uh, so having that kind of ancient orc language as something that has evolved and stuck in their culture over 4,000 years is pretty, pretty cool to know. Um, I, the iron stomach trait is awesome. I also very much got vibes of a alchemy 
specialist uh, racial ability in there as well. With because let's say Tish, the the the, the Talnar, is five years old. Uh, apparently, I, I'm guessing from the way she had uh, hisses or purrs in her voice, as described, there are some feline features there as, as well. What was a takeaway? And rather small, so childlike uh, in stature. Um, but at that age, having such an just instinctively good ability at alchemy and mixing stuff, that very much to me hinted towards a racial, just not with not just with the iron stomach and being, being having a, a bit of an immunity to poisons, but with creating them as mm-hmm. well. It'll be interesting to see how that something like that actually manifests in game. But that to me, that's uh, <laughs> that's a dart in the board. Um, there, I also noticed at the start of it when when she, when um, Eris is that was that her name was talking about meeting the Vec was that he was there. He came through the gateway well before her. So there's a very staggered entry back to Vera. It's not just everybody lining up at the gates, right. Right, push, pushing to go back. This is, it almost wonders, is there going to be a two-way aspect of this? Is this something where the gates are just open as a, a lore way of explaining new players constantly coming into the game years and years down the road? Which is kind of where, where I take that. Um, I also got a... a this may be an, again another racial trait out of out of the uh, Talnar, but an inner rage. Now that could just be the five year old thing because my two year old's the same way. When she's sleepy, when she's hungry, when she doesn't get her way, there is an inner rage that comes out that you just don't contend with. <laughs> and it very much sounded like Tish has the same thing going on. So is this a racial thing or is this just something that has to do with uh, a bit of childlike behavior? that comes out despite the uh the alchemy prowess so there might be a like a, an enrage type thing that you can activate as a more active ability possibly even a passive ability as a racial and then i guess the vec i mean we've kind of known them to be a scientific um race but the fact that they are the ones doing species studying and alchemy studying and all of that was uh, an interesting point as well. And it'll be interesting to see if there's some type of discoverability there that in a way becomes a racial for Vex, same as the scribe Scrivener aspect for the elf um, side of things. So we might, th- 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 to me, this was a really strong hint that uh, racials will likely have some aspect, some play in the uh the uh, crafting world so i am wondering if that was to be the case and we already know that stats like racial stats like it seed stats but don't really isn't going to be a determining factor in like combat right like it's not going to like dictate like i've got to pick this race for for combat specifically that was something they've always hit on but they haven't really ever said anything that would give us reason to believe that what you're talking about wouldn't be a possibility that there would be like a bonus to maybe professions or, or artisan professions and classes and stuff. I thought <clears throat> this entry started out just very, very much like a snapshot of a day in the life, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, you know, I met the most astonishing individual today. Initially, I had set out to speak to Krelzenis Vagesh, the renowned Vec alchemist and inventor. So as they're talking about this, they made their way into the bazaar seen all variety of living and dead things and things that'll make a living thing a dead thing and then you get this like 
interesting dialogue, you know, where you're talking about the purrs and the and this sort of sound of like these bestial sort of like sounds that you would hear in speech. But yeah, the combination of hello and old orcish greeting Vajo, if that's even said right, to where hello in the Tolnar language is Hejo. So you, you hear that like the the races, you know, this merging of like dialects and like different speech patterns and and all these things that probably happened over all the thousands of years that the Tolnar were evolving on Vera while everybody's gone. But this 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 was very interesting to me because of the cultural component that you pick up on a lot of here. Specifically, even aside from the speech, you get a lot of culture related to the Tolnar and also sort of like how the other races could have had an impact on on the sort of evolution of this race. That's very cool. Um, it, it wasn't like a lot, but there was a lot to speculate from this. You know, when you you could look at the speech, you could look at talking about orcish or talking about Tolnar biology um, or talking about even the fact that like when we get this snapshot, it's like you said, very clearly there's like a staging ground that is occurring well before everybody gets there. You know, when we played in like the alpha, uh, alpha one, right? We go and we jump in there or just alpha in general. When you played alpha, you jump in and there's like NPCs. It's very traditional for an MMORPG that once you enter into the game, there's like an encampment, there's a staging area, there's like a small town or a village or a camp or whatever. And as you sort of step in, there's like these characters, these NPCs that are there to sort of greet you. And sometimes they orient you to the world. Sometimes they teach you how to, uh, you know, interact with your UI, you know, talking about how you use certain skills and things like that. Um, sometimes a little immersion breaking when that happens when they're going, oh, this little green button on your screen, hit that. And you're like, why is my NPC telling me to hit a green button on my screen? You know what I mean? You're like, what? You should know that. You're breaching into, it's all of a sudden the freaking, uh, what was that called? What was that game, uh, movie called that came out recently? Was it? The fourth wall? No, no, no. The Ryan Reynolds movie where like the the oh, free guy. Free, free guy. guy. Yeah. Oh, like this yeah, is a free that. guy. You know, you it's know. a movie that knows it's a movie. <laughs> yeah. I know I'm an NPC in a game. I'm a background character in the game, and you're the player person playing. You're like, no, nah, just like you don't want that in an actual game to be a cape. Great movie. Yeah. In the game, it's kind of like uh you're not supposed to know I've got a red button, green button on my screen, homie. Okay, you're in the world, not Anyway, I digress, but again, but um, yeah, you usually do get a staging area. And I think that we got a lot of culture here. I am wondering if anybody out there, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of people out there who like to break things down all the time. Narc is the one on YouTube. Who's like constantly making YouTube videos for ashes, constantly like tying things into it, probably the most active YouTuber for Ashes since he started. And I would be shocked if he wasn't breaking this stuff down. So I'm curious to see what some of the creators out there are doing with this, especially the people that love the Tolmar. This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity, people, to get to really dig into this and start to break this down and to create some meaning around it. Um, but the cultural component for me is the bigger one. Um, I think specifically what I got from this is these aren't just dumb beast people. Like they're, they're a beast race, but there's clearly like a sense of culture that derives from 
you know, more evolved races. So like, then you go, well, well how evolved are they? I think they're probably going to be on par, which is, you know, they're also a playable race. So why wouldn't they be? They're not just going to be the dumb avian race running around the, whatchamacallum? I always forget the name. Oh, the Slateborn? Thank you, the Slateborn. I'm like sitting here going, it starts with an S and I never get the damn word. It's only been years that we've been talking about the Slateborn. I always forget the damn things when I'm trying to talk about them. But they're the avian race, right? And you kind of get that they're like these beast people, like little goblins rolling around that are just like, and like coming after you. And then you fight and you beat them down and that's it. But the, you know, the Tolnar, I don't, I don't think so much. We're talking about a, a thriving race. It's been on Vera for thousands of years, probably easily 5,000 years. I, I would think the corruption spread and seeping into those races is probably a big part of that too the slaveborn being a corrupted race that has permeated through them generation after generation and created the monsters that they become similar to how king atrax evolved as just a one over a generational aspect that's huge so the fact that the tolnar went into hiding underground um probably managed to avoid corruption for the most part now that's not to say there won't be pockets of corrupted tolnar around there absolutely could be. Yeah. And I'd be almost surprised if there isn't. Well, yeah. Corrupt, there were corrupted people at the time of the fall. They're like, there's no reason to believe that they'd be free of it, of corruption existing. And clearly, by the way, do y'all see that most recent badass? I always, they, they don't show some of these things on their live stream specifically. Then we get really cool stuff like this right here. And give me a moment, my friends, if you're in our discord and you go to like the Ashes discussion channel, I'm going to post this image. I see stuff like this and I'm just like, oh, my God, that's sick. It's just sitting on their banners for their socials and stuff. Sometimes they don't go out and publicly just post it. But tell me that picture is not sick. That's one of my favorite pictures that they've got concept art of that I've seen probably in a very long time that one was oh it's so good and i nag that off of their socials i think it might even be the one that's their banner for their discord right now if i'm not mistaken i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure yep that's the one it's also on their social media they every so often if you pay attention rotate through their social media and then there'll just be this really cool like art image there that's a concept art piece and that was the most one of the more recent ones. And I saw that and I was like, oh, that's so cool. This corrupt area looking upon like some structure, some some, you know, castle walls or a ruined keep from old times or something. But it gives you a little bit of a snapshot into like the architecture style, another architecture style that we haven't really seen. And that one kind of like had an element of Dunier to it for me, but I wasn't really too sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a really, really cool one. So if you keep your eyes peeled, like sometimes the coolest looking artwork that we actually see ends up being something they just like, just, you know, all like under the radar go and they post. And then you're going through one day and you're looking at Twitter and you're like, wait, what is this? We're up on the uh, discord and they rotate through them like almost every month or so. If you haven't noticed it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's they got so much talent on that team. It's like it's staggering. Mm -hmm. I mean, just this, like, just the detail, the casters, <laughs> uh, just the, the the caster, like, you know, either 
siphoning the corruption or doing something else and then you've got like you know it looks like maybe a, an adventure or something with a torch i mean it's like uh-huh. so much like little detail um in this it's just it's, it's amazing yeah they need to start putting that shit on display <laughs> yeah i know right <laughs> exactly i was like i keep every so often i'll mag maggie and i'll be like y'all y'all doing anything on display <laughs> Oh right, <laughs> because I <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I'll like, see some of the stuff Ryan Richmond will put out there, and I'm like, yeah. oh my god, I want that all over my wall. I mean, it is it is so cool, so detailed. Um, yeah, just this great stuff, and that thing we always say whenever they go from concept to model. I mean, I'm just like imagining this in the in the like in the game world, and it's just like mm-hmm. it's amazing. It is so, yeah, for sure. Think but can, um yeah go ahead uh, uh one of the things i want i kind of have been like jonesing to talk about a little bit um as we were digging into the linguistics part is i don't know i, I may be like jumping out the speculation tree and hitting every branch on the way down here but <laughs> but i would really love to see like something having to do with linguistics in the game and whether that's like a language you can learn um, that opens up quests or as part of a quest, if you don't know like certain words in the ancient Orcish language or something like that, you won't be able to maybe proceed with a quest and maybe like point you in a direction where you might need to go to a library or something like that. Just once again, that like in my opinion would be a great way for them to incorporate linguistics. I mean, they obviously think it's important enough to call it out in the lore that they shared. Yeah. So I would love to see something like that in the game where, again, you're you're making it feel like a living, breathing world with, you know, like different languages. And it's not just like an afterthought. It's something that like mm-hmm. really has some sort of bearing, you know, in how you play the game um, or how you immerse yourself in the world. And I noticed this thought of that as we were nerding out a bit on the linguistics. And I thought that would be like something that would be a really cool idea. So um, hopefully the. The devs have sat somewhere in the we- their wheelhouse, and if not, maybe in a future expansion we might see that. Mm. Oh, I kind of want to hit on this third one real quick because you were sitting there talking about this, and I'm sitting there reading through this, and I'm going, "When the sun sets behind the canopy of the Crystal Bow Forest." This one was pretty cool, right? This is tells of the homecoming again, mm-hmm. another transition to people coming back to Vera, right? And how the hell do we say this word? The Boda Bodaga. Is that right? Boda Bodaga? As good as I would have Boda Bodaga. Boda Bodaga. There you go. Say that three times. Sounds like Crash Bandicoot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, man, you know, you're talking about the linguistic part too, and I was thinking about like, speak friend and enter, is what I was thinking was like, You know, imagine going to like some entryway and, you know, you think like Lord of the Rings, like how, you know, in order to get into the the Dwarven city and, you know, the old mines or whatever, you have to go and you have to figure out the way to get in. There's like clues around it. And I'm like, this is a great opportunity for those racial skills or those like class skills or whatever they want to tie in there. You know, we Mm -hmm. you know, we talked about like how the rogue might have some sense of perception for traps or things of that nature. Right. Maybe maybe the mage can like uh, see some runes on a wall and they can somehow decipher it. Uh, And I mean, you know, something scholarly 
or you know something that relates to the sort of bread and butter theme to your class at its core you know we don't have to go too far we don't have to go paladin here we just we can go tank we can go mage we can go you know bard whatever whatever inherently is at the core of that class we tie that into how you can sort of like interpret something in the world and so like I think with a bard, for example, you could look, you know, because we know it's not just singing. Sometimes it's words. It's the sharing and the the telling of a story over time. I mean, some of the some of the oldest tells on our world existed in the form of of spoken, you know, spoken format for a long time before they were ever transcribed and changed over over history. And so how cool to have like a bard, right, who's going up. And it's in some, you know, dark cave where there's like these runes on the wall or these like written words or glyphs or something, you know, and maybe some of these glyphs are clearly like spell oriented and you need a mage. But some of them might be like, hey, we're in here and they actually wrote their songs and the bards even able to go, oh, you know what? This reminds me of the oldest rendition of whatever in the earliest form and they're able to yeah bard we got bard hype in chat you know but i mean i think a bard would be a really great class to be able to decipher certain things like that and when you talk about written language and you talk about dialects and spoken words or written words i think that a bard it would be a great play on the bard to be able to under certain circumstances in the world be the one who's like oh you know what there's a certain way to get entry here. There's a mystical, powerful force that guards a door and you got to know the right way to speak true to the words that might be what give you entry. I think it's cool. I mean, a great way to, to kind of tie into these types of, you know, we talk about orcish or elvish or whatever we want to kind of dig into or, you know, dwarven, if you're into that stuff, I know some of you here are, um, you know, I know there's definitely one or two in chat that are all about the the dwarf life. <laughs> so with this story specifically. I, I love yeah, I love that idea, Sim. I love the yeah. idea of again incorporating that. I mean, I think it would be awesome to do as part of like I mean, definitely like the, you know, some some of the questing that you're doing, but especially like a class quest. Because one of the things that I think is really missing from some MMOs out there is like a class identity. Um, and I would love to see that kind of have a resurgence um, in Ashes of Creation, in the lore, like, you know, having like, I, I honestly, I think back to Vanilla WoW when I really like, dug into the paladin lore mm -hmm. and like all the stories and stuff. Yeah. I feel like that's missing now. I mean, it's still there in the background. You kind of get it referenced every now and then, but it's not something that is kind of a part of your DNA as a player, as a character. And I would love to see something like that happening as you like discover things, you know, it could be like ancient weapons. It could be ancient maps. It could be ancient places to go in the world right, that you're unlocking because you're a certain class and it gives you, again, some sense of identity um, to be able to do that. I think that would just be, once again, another way to make the world really fleshed out, real, immersive, is kind of having those experiences and kind of incorporating what we do with 
with our class. Um, and and I I get the sense that Intrepid gets like how important those flavor skills are going to be, but I really want them to double down on those two and not just make them, you know, generic and really mm-hmm. make them something that that is unique so right. that you're not gonna have, you know, um you you'll just have that differentiation, I think is is what I'm trying to say. So I'm I'm really hoping that they do take that to heart. Yeah, you know, like your feedback around that, because I think that would just make the the gameplay much more dynamic and fun, right? Is like you're you made you have a dungeon you've done like you know several times, but you didn't have for whatever reason didn't have a bard in your party or didn't have a mage or something, and you discover something new. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that would be that would be cool. Absolutely. To do that. Yeah, in the chat, you know, Cheryl said, anyways, bard as a lore master too. I mean, yeah, I think so. I 100% do. Look, I probably won't even play a bard, but if you want to make a bard meaningful, I so that's one that's one really good way, man. One really good way. Really good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, half tilt. Do you have any thoughts on that? For I, I know we're gonna dig into this third part here and try to make it. I just I want to get your thoughts on this. Probably ah, though. I I'm a huge fan of the out of class out of combat racial abilities to discover things in the world and oh, yeah. bring the world together. Um, I, I, I think there's tremendous value in that. I, I wonder if, if there will be options almost depending on how many things might be available that you can kind of choose like two out of three or two out of four different options when you create your character, that would be kind of cool depending on how many things that they want to incorporate into the game. But, uh, you know, having that lore master, having somebody that can possibly decipher ancient languages off of a, off of artifacts that you find in the world and you can't really do anything with them until you get them deciphered. And maybe they're crap trash items. Maybe they're, you know, something that leads you to a legendary quest line. Um, finding the secrets and hidden things in the world are huge. So tying all of that in with racial abilities, I I think it's just another way of bringing a need to have all these things to the game. And then including class abilities as well in that, like with the rogue, the mage and the bard and all that stuff as well. I think going in uh, another layer to adding a need for a diverse group, or the benefit to having diversity within your group is huge there, right? Like that's how often do you see where a meta just overrules anything else that goes on? Because it's like, this is the quickest, most efficient way to get through it. That's a way to kind of say, okay, well, sure. We might get through this, you know, five minutes quicker than we normally would, but we might miss something really cool along the way that we don't know about. So, no, we're not going to bring a, a second uh, paladin along. We're going to bring a mage instead or or a, a, a bard instead. And we're going to be able to fill those gaps now. I'm not used to something. I haven't, I haven't played games where that's a really a big thing, where, where a lot of those out-of-combat abilities, you know, the rogue and WoW had that with, like, detect traps and being able to distract uh, enemies to an extent, but that, that was still kind of combat related. Yeah. And it wasn't um, capitalized it, on either. Not really. No, yeah. like the detect traps was never an environmental hazard. It was never a, a booby trap in a dungeon or, 
anything kind of more naturally occurring. It, it was something laid by an enemy in a relatively recent time frame. So it still became combat related because of that. And, and being able to incorporate this stuff as a natural thing in the world. Like I'm going through this ancient crypt. Well, how I've watched enough Indiana Jones to know that there damn well is going to be some booby traps here. And having a uh, the need to have a class with you that can detect these things or has a better chance at detecting these things than you normally would is huge, especially if the the cost of tripping one of these traps is relatively detrimental to the party. You know, if somebody dies as a result, that's huge. If somebody takes a a fifty percent of their health and now you can't heal them above that for an hour, that's huge. And so having something that is Having meaning, not just because you can bring them along to discover these things, but having a valuable meaning behind why you should bring them along, I think is a, an equal proponent to having those class abilities. Yeah, I agree. And and having like some sort of out of combat set of abilities, I love the idea of choice. I think it's also an opportunity for even like some sort of progression, like horizontal progression. They've talked about this you know, often, um, you know, earlier on is that, you know, leveling is just one path. You want to be able to have like a bunch of different things you can do. I would very much like to see like, you know, future state doesn't have to be something for launch, but an ability to either level or choose like new out of combat abilities that have, again, nothing game breaking, nothing like, you know, specifically focused on combat that could mean a meta, but some way, again, to really like flesh out your character, make it unique, um, you know, either have a quest to do it or, you know, and it's an ability you unlock later somehow. But I it would be really neat to be able to have like a suite of um, different types of out of combat abilities that just add flavor, add utility, um, but don't necessarily uh, or, or just ultimately just make those class choices even more unique um, and and give you an ability to really like play out what your vision is for your character by having these different abilities. It'll be interesting to see. I know I've thought a lot about this in the past, how the augments from uh, social organizations from religious uh, followings and other various things like that. How are these secondary augments going to affect abilities? I hadn't really thought about having those augments on the out of combat abilities, but it could be a really unique way of having that linear progression that you're talking about mm -hmm. and giving you the choice of how, you know, like the bard being a lore master, maybe there's different languages that you can augment to uh, from a historical record. Um, maybe there's. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, I don't know, I'm brain farting right now, but there's a few really cool ways, I think, that you could incorporate different flavors on how some of these out of combat abilities work. You know, social, uh, maybe a thief's guild gives you uh, a way of bartering when you're trading other people and you have a can kind of under, underhand them a little bit and get a better deal. So I don't know. I don't know. I think there's some really cool potential there. And that's a neat thought that I hadn't had before. Yeah. yeah, and I I think there's just so much, even like just, again, with the language piece alone, like if you think about other games that have done like some things like archaeology, mm -hmm. right? 
and kind of having those things that aren't necessarily again, right? They're not combat related. They're they're more like you know progression related in the sense of like fleshing out your character and and maybe ways to get unique cosmetics or other ways you can achieve things in the game, right? Uh, I would love to see some application there. It's like okay, if I'm gonna you know in the future if there is some sort of archaeology options or treasure hunting options, right? Being able to again place points in that like you would place points in blacksmithing or you know woodworking or what have you right being able to kind of have that as a path to be able to discover new things get unique cosmetics um those are just things that i think again continue along the path of world building and fleshing out and making progression meaningful it's not just okay well i hit max level you know now it's time to like you know run around Morrow's meat on my celestial steed. I, I want to be able to d- have other things that I can do and have meaning that help me build out and flesh out my characters. Absolutely. Yeah. And the idea too, of like, you know, we we're talking about like with a bard, you know, I just, I just thought about like, if you know different dialects for a language too, I mean, they're talking about like so many different opportunities and these, these types of things like aren't extremely difficult for, you know, I mean, I'm not a game developer, but I've, I've know enough about, game development to know like these types of things are i mean you're it's minimal you know i mean it's literally like a sort of plug and play scenario with something like a language especially if it's just like you click into interpret it as opposed to like you know having to incorporate it into like a character actually having a dialogue component to like speaking it in the game you know we're interacting through like you know more of like the a dialogue format in the game versus like the written type that we're going to be getting initially so there's like a lot of opportunities that are just really small, subtle things that can be done to to change the way that the you know player is able to interact with the world around them. I mean, if we've learned anything by a lot of you know some of the more recent games that have been released or have been developed, it's that you know the taking the time to really polish all the layers to the, your game could be very very impactful on how that game's not only going to like release and launch, but the longevity when things are a broken hot mess and they don't seem to make sense or they seem rushed we know we we can tell we can feel it and it, it can be very discouraging and it can can turn a lot of people away and for this game to be successful well you don't want people turning away initially and that's something that the game developers the intrepid studios man steven and the team they're very mindful of this clearly clearly very mindful of it because they don't have a time on a date of when this game's launching they aren't going to tell you when alpha 2 is coming out they've learned from their own history and they continue to make good choices with that moving forward and as i'm as we're sitting here and talking about this and i'm realizing that the conversation's taking a different pathway the bada booga or badoga or whatever bada badoop badunk dunk whatever um i'm sorry i totally goofed that up in oh, the badoga <laughs> Anamana, what? Abadaba, badabadaba. Anyway, I'm thinking we'll talk about that one next time. Why not? It's a big conversation. Each of these can be their own big conversation. But I will tell you, as I'm looking over this one again, and I'm looking at it, I can tell you what this one's going to have me digging into. It's almost like I'm teasing people a little bit. I never really do that, do I? Uh, about what's to come, but no, no, never, never, ever. There's so much in this next one though that i really love more so than the interaction between the characters 
for me, it's the takeaway of painting the picture of the world that I see. It's just everything about this particular one screams out. Let me take you into this world and let you imagine it. I'm not going to say more so than the other two, but for me, this one stood out the most. It could just be because of the way that I am receptive to written word and, and format and all that stuff. But this one gave me a lot to question about the world and the places and the locations and sort of the atmosphere because of the way it was written out. So that one's the one we're going to be talking about a little bit next time. But I, I got to go back a bit and we'll save this one for next time and kind of talk about like the importance of these intricate layers that are being woven together. The, there are a lot of layers to Ashes of Creation. There are a lot of the layers that aren't, they're not, they're not cookie cutter, but they're also not like revolutionary. They're innovative with what they're doing with the game for sure but they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. And I think if history serves us or anyone that cares about this game well, it's that it's really important to learn from the past. What really worked well, what did not, what was intuitive, what wasn't. We talk about things like UI. We talk about interaction in the world for the class abilities or or even like how the races, like my races or the classes might have their own narrative and, you know, which we know they all will be. They're going to have their own narrative and sort of like how they're interacting with the world. Things that they're mindful of. And there's a lot of things that work really well. So when we talk about what's worked really well, what are some great examples to you all as the listener or even you all here watching right now or us on the show? This is going to be our final big hoorah hit here for the day. But what's really worked well when it comes to some of the things we've talked about today? UI. Uh, or delivery of the narrative or story or character immersion places we're going with ashes. I can tell you right now, having games where you can have a UI that's customizable and you can just take that and really fully iron that out. Don't hold back. Take the time to do it. A game that did a really good job of that. I wouldn't say it was the Elder Scrolls Online. They did a great job of being true to the Elder Scrolls with the format of theirs. You need add-ons to customize that. SWOTOR did a pretty good job with UI because it, you could move things around. You could adjust it a bit. Arcage did okay with it. World of Warcraft, eh. You needed add-ons for it. What were some really great examples of games where you can do that, though? Man, I... I... I don't know that I've ever played a game where I have either a cared enough to go in and figure out how to customize <laughs> it or that, that it lacked or had those customizations. Like so, a lot of games you play and it's like, okay, this UI is sufficient for me. I'll, I'll figure it out. It's not worth the time and energy to go and make massive changes to it. And some games it's like, you know, as long as that minimal information is there, the information you need to navigate your character and the environment is there. For me, I don't need a whole lot more than that personally. And, you know, like even in WoW, I didn't add a lot of add-ons yeah. for UI stuff because it was just, it, it becomes clutter yeah. on the screen. And I like my windows defrosted before I started driving, you know? 
not a yeah, stay frosty I, I would... friends moment <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> um i mean i would say too i, I honestly paid very little attention <laughs> to ui outside of say like um world of warcraft because that's one that i heavily modded um and because a lot of what i felt was missing was you know really good use of real estate and so that's my biggest piece of feedback to the um intrepid development team is you know a ui can be pretty i'm not you know gonna deny that but you also need to make sure that it gives like the player enough flexibility to be able to you know leverage what they need to leverage in order to have a good experience right so it should be something um customizable definitely um within reason uh and it should be minimal uh i'm not looking for a bunch of crazy cool looking graphics that are great the first time you look at them but it's a royal pain in the you know backside every time you want to open up that screen again Absolutely. Um, and anything they can do, like, again, to keep you immersed in the world is going to, you know, work well, I think. And as far as like the, the questing piece, um, you know, I would say there's been games that have hit and missed here. But where it's really hit for me is whenever I feel like the character that I am playing. Right. If I'm feeling like a paladin, like say, in a like a, you know, my wow example, my classic wow example has always been the epic quest for paladins to get their mail. Um, yeah. And that made me feel mm. like a paladin. To this day, I have not ever had a game that made me so excited to play my character than that quest. And I'm still chasing that. I'm still chasing that experience. And so if um, if the team can kind of do that for the classes over the course of time. And I'm not just talking about like that one event, right? I've been talking about consistently bring that to the table as part of a way for players to identify with their class and build out their own like internal lore for their character. That would be a huge, huge win. And I'm not just talking about, you know, me being an RP nerd, right? I'm just talking in general, right? We, there's people out there that aren't RP nerds that love the heck out of The Witcher 3, that love the heck out of all these really great, you know, RPGs, Skyrim, you name it, right? Where you're given an ability to really immerse yourself in a world. And and I think that that's something that shouldn't be taken lightly and even in an MMO situation because there's still an opportunity for immersion and it doesn't have to be a single player experience. Uh, so anyway, that that's my two cents. I, I remember I did a rant quite a while ago on exactly that, like how MMORPG has kind of lost the RPG element over the years. And it's yeah. just become kind of like it, it, they're just MMO games and they are great at what they do. But don't fool yourself into thinking this is an RPG. And anyone that has played a lot of those good, more single player focused RPGs mm -hmm. knows, understands that. Speaking of that and tying in the UI thing, I actually just had a memory, a memory, not a rememory. Um, Final Fantasy VII, the original yeah. game. You could change the menu color. Don't tell me it's hard to do if you can do it on a PS1 game. 
you know, <laughs> it was a thing. And that, that was one of the first things I would always do is hop in there and change the menu to black and, and talk about UI. I think menus is something that we haven't really touched on. We talked about the, like the user interface aspect, but the menus that you can access to get into your character sheet and into your, your quest logs, your, your bigger map and all that stuff, make that as just, you know, I, I don't expect it to be customizable in any real way, shape or form. Maybe, maybe the color again, but make that kind of minimal and easy to navigate. There's been a lot of games that I have pulled up a menu and just been like, fuck this, I'm out. Like, <laughs> I don't have the mental capacity to try and learn all of this shit. And Ashes is a game that has a lot of stuff to learn. It's got a <laughs> lot of nuances and a lot of systems that tie into each other. How that, I've said it before on the show and I'm going to say it again, how that information is released over time is going to be super important to not bombard somebody right off the bat with all of that. And I, I love it when games have menu items or, or options that are invisible until they become relevant. To either you unlock them at a certain level or by accessing certain activity or content lo loading into a certain area. Hopefully Ashes doesn't have a lot of loading, but besides the point. Um, just to reduce that amount of clutter so you don't overwhelm that new player. I mean, especially in a game that's probably going to appeal to an older audience for the most part. Maybe I'm... I'm speaking to myself here, but you can't teach an old dog new tricks. At least it's hard to do. And, and, you know, a lot of us got a lot going on in our lives. Passion will drive us a long ways in this game. But if it's too much, man, it's going to be a slow, slow burn. And I think I can see that turning people off that don't have that passion driving them. That don't ha haven't been following the game for a long time and been super looking forward to this. And that are already on the fence. That would be my only thing uh, from behind the UI, but still in the UI uh, vein of things. Mm, you know, I thought about this and I was realizing what well, game has a really good customizable UI. The best one I'm going to state so far is Final Fantasy 14. That thing is super customizable. They've even got a grid layout. You can set up different UIs that you can swap between. I mean, it could go, it could use some more customization. Don't get me wrong, but for an MMORPG, that one's actually really good. I actually got to say that one's actually really good. They give you the agency to really decide where you put everything. And it's part of the game. No add-ons, none of that stuff. It is part of the game built into it. That one actually does a really good job. Right off the gate, I go in there to customize my UI. I'm not talking about their map, right? Just their UI. It is really easy to like navigate and to up to like adjust everything there and size it, all of that, right? I mean, if there was like color options built in to where you could kind of customize like the, you know, uh, the different sort of like color schemes you would want to use and had like a palette for that, that would be really cool. But you don't. But if if they did, oh man, that would be freaking sick. Really good, really well done. You could monitor all that stuff too, like quests and things you're tracking and like your, your gill or whatever. There's a bunch of different things on there. You can definitely check out. But, um, but I even think about like, you know, when we talk about UI and everything you hit on race and, or class, you know, a bit and talking about that. I think these are all really important questions because when you think about games that have done a really good job. Yeah. If I go back to class identity, people may not agree with me. I'm going to say world of Warcraft for me, 
because more specifically those early days, right? Like the warlock getting their horse, druid unlocking cat form, like all those different things you had to go and you had to figure it out like uh, a hunter getting their first tame, like those types of different things. Those were like, I mean, it totally reinforced like the class, like culture and like history and like, you know, identity and all of that. And that was to me, it was it was really good. Um, more so like easy earlier in the, in the game's development, more so than like now, cause you go in it. I don't feel like that's there anymore. Unfortunately, I feel like they took a lot of that away. Um, but back in the day, it was really cool. Cause I felt very much about like, you know, you go and you do the class quest and you get a bit of an idea of like this narrative behind, like why it is that you would be on this path why it's important for you as a, in your class to be doing this and like how it's going to help you and how it's important for your own development as a, you know, as a player playing that class and your, your character development, even a little bit. Um, but yeah, questions are, what are, what are some of the things for you all, whether it's like class identity, race identity, artisan identity, which we've talked about a lot too. Um, or, you know, UI or any of those other elements that are really important to us. I just realized something though, as we're winding this one down, we're, <laughs> we got another excerpt to talk about. We actually are getting a lot in like a less than a month, aren't we? Because we had the last live stream, and then we had the 24-hour live stream, and now we've got their next live stream coming up too before. So we're going to have a lot to go off of. next. Our next podcast is going to be post-live stream again. And we still have a lore thing to discuss. And still have a lore Man. thing to talk about. Yep. It's going to get oh us, keep us I feel going like we're missing while. deadlines here. Something, man. It's like hitting the mark <laughs> early, and we're not ready yet. It's good, though. Good. Going to need that through December a good bit because December is going to feel like a longer month. Everybody just realize this is normal. This is the way it goes. This is the this is the norm for intrepid in the development of the game and and everything. So, you know, and if you're kind of going, what the hell's going on in the world of ashes? Well, I think all you got to do is be here with us every Sunday, 5 p.m. Central, friends, because we, we hold down the fort, don't we? We stay we the course. We yes. do. What we do as Pathfinders is what we all do. All of you here do when you're here with us, whether you listen to it or otherwise, friends. With that being said, I know we're going to pick up next time. We got a story excerpt to hit on. We're going to have post live stream from their Ashes of Creation live stream, which is coming up this Friday, 11 a.m. Pacific, friends. All right. So in typical format, I am planning on doing the post Ashes live stream that day to watch it. We'll talk about it. We'll catch uh, we'll catch your questions gather some notes, put it together, ready for the show on Sunday. In the meantime, my friends, we're going to let Daedalus and then Half Tilt go on and shout out their domains where you can find them when not on this podcast. Hey, you can find me on Twitter at The Ashen Herald and on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash The Ashen Herald. And Half Tilt. I am on Twitter at Half underscore Tilt or you message me on Discord, Half Tilt Gamer. There you go, man. And friends, I encourage you to join our Discord if you're not already in there where all the stuff around Ashes, all the content here is hosted. Ashes HQ, Ashes Pathfinders. Got a nice thriving community. We cross over with a couple other games and stuff, but join us over at discord.gg forward slash some org. Follow the show on Twitter at Ashes Pathfinder. Go to asheshq.com to catch up with all the things and catch us here next week live. And remember... You don't have to be on the podcast roundtable to be part of this community and to be an Ashes Pathfinder. That is what we call all of you that are here along on the journey with us. So much love to all of you friends. 
Much love doing Trevor Studios. Until next week, stay safe. Live your best lives. Walk in the light. And we'll see you again real soon, friends. Real soon, Ashes fam. Have a good night, everyone.